Welcome to the 321 Biz Development Podcast. My name is Clarence Rick Napier, CEO of 321 Biz Dev LLC, located in Sacramento County, California. 321 Biz Dev is the only company with sales systems for white collar professionals who did not have access to affordable sales and business development training in college or through certification programs. 321 BizDev is the company to call when you or your sales team want to master the following four main sales functions. Contacting, prospecting, appointment setting, and closing. 321 is the number one sales performance destination for attorneys, CPAs, brokers, dentists, real estate brokers, cosmetic surgeons, and real estate investors. In addition, 321 features the most talented business professionals on our podcast from North America and from around the world. 321 BizDev services are available worldwide where the English language is spoken. Our website is 321BizDev powered by SiteMarket.com and we can be reached toll free in the U.S. and Canada at 833-321-3212. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. We are excited no to interview today's guest, Linda Na, realtor in Las Vegas and what people know as the entertainment capital of the world. So now it is my pleasure to welcome to the new and improved 321 Biz Development Podcast, Linda. How are you doing this afternoon? Oh, I am doing amazing. How are you doing, Rick? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. And I'm so excited. I'm so happy that you're on our 321 Biz Development Podcast uh, show. And uh, thank you for taking time out of your beautiful, probably Saturday afternoon in, in Las Vegas. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Well, Linda, my first question is, can you tell our audience about yourself, where you were born, where, where you were raised, your background, education, and past occupations? Uh, prior to become a Las Vegas realtor? Sure. I was actually born in Boston, Massachusetts, believe it or not. And uh, growing up, I traveled all across the country and I ended up in Texas uh, in my teen years. And from Texas, we came out here to Las Vegas when I was 15 years old. Um, I I used to, um, when I started real estate in 2006, I was actually a cocktail waitress at the same time and I was one of those you know part-time agents for a while and um, um, when I finally became a full-time realtor in 2009 um, it was during the REO times I don't know if you remember this is the market already crashed and we were selling homes that were 40 and 50,000 a home so it was it was an interesting time in my career and definitely a huge struggle and uh, but before that I mean I went I before I decided to do real estate I was planning on going to law school, believe it or not. I wanted to be a criminal prosecutor. Um, but wow. that was gonna take that, that that was yeah, I I was I had a fascination with um with criminal law and um, serial killers, believe it or not. <laughs> I had I, I did a, like a huge study on them. I read so many books about them and I was like I wanna wanna I wanna prosecute criminals. And um, but at the time it was gonna take me too many years in school and and I needed, I wanted to hurry up and started making money. And when I started real estate in 2006, there was a sign on Century 21 Money World, which is where I went to school, and it says six weeks to six figures. 
six nice. weeks to six figures. Yes, and I was like, you know what? I'm actually, I'm gonna try this. Um, and I bought my first home when I was 21 years old. And my realtor at the time actually told me that he thinks I should get into real estate. And um, he was a newer agent at the time and now he's a top producer as well. And um, I am grateful for him because he put that in my ear. But my, I was scared at 21. I was like, I need a steady income. I can't be a commission person. You know, I got, I got a mortgage to pay for. I can't, I can't just work based on sales. And he said to me, he says, Linda, I rather, I rather not have anyone put a ceiling on how much I can make. You know, he's nice. like, I, real estate gives you the opportunity to, to make as much as you want, and the freedom to make as much as you want if you do it right. And he put that in my ear. And uh, within six months, I went to real estate school. <laughs> so that is that is, a, that is an incredible story, and I didn't know that you started uh, the real your real estate career, or at least you know buying or buying real estate at twenty one. That is a that is a major yeah. accomplishment, especially in these in these times. It is, and you know, back then, back then it was it was unheard of, pretty much, right? Now you're seeing more millennials that are able to buy real estate in their early 20s. A lot of my clients are millennials. You know, they're, they're 21, 22 years old, and it's insane because in Las Vegas, we're the only, the only city in the country where you could graduate high school, wait till you're 21, go in the service industry, and make six-figure income in, in the service industry, cocktail and bartending. And so a lot of my, a lot of my clientele are these guys that are bartending at these clubs and these girls that are waitressing and they're making six-figure income with a lot of money to put down in their home and I'm really proud of them they're, they're one of my favorite people to work with you know what I mean because I was that kid when I was 21 years old but it was harder back then to buy a home at 21 you know in 2006 was when I purchased my first mm -hmm. home um, and just to give you a little background you know I grew up um, um, with a single mom uh, my mom's single mom with five kids and we were very very poor and I remember in high school, I was I was a kid that went to the upper middle class high school. I graduated from Serrata High School, um, but we lived actually in the not the way they call it, the ghetto part of Las Vegas. <laughs> and um, and growing up, you know, my best friends were their families were upper middle class families, and they all drove brand new cars, you know, to school when they turned sixteen and whatnot. And I had to borrow clothes from my my best friends. So I can have enough clothes to wear to school, and and growing up, I would think I always said to myself, like I never want to be poor. I can't wait to turn 18 so I can just work my butt off and and never be poor because it sucks, you know. And, wow. and that was my drive when I when I wanted to go to real estate school. I needed a quick way to make a lot of money and to take my family out of the quote unquote ghetto part of where we lived. Which, let me tell you, I grew up with cockroaches. We had cockroaches that lived with us. They were crawling ceilings and walls. That's how bad where we lived was, you know? And um, um, so when I was 21, I was able to do that. And that was a huge accomplishment for us. So. Yeah, I bet. That's, that's an incredible story, Linda. Wow. In fact, that's probably <laughs> the most touching story, you know, I've ever had on uh, our podcast show. So I want to I thank you for sharing that that very personal part oh, wow. of, of, of your life. So that's, 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 that's both incredible. And it's definitely a like kudos to you for realizing that this is how I lived as a kid. And now I see some opportunity at 18, 19 and 21 and I'm going for mm -hmm. it. That is yep. an incredible story. When is your yep. book coming? Out? 
<laughs> I don't have a book coming out, but I actually did an interview with My Vegas Magazine, um, um, well, Agent Magazine, a couple years ago when I was president of Women's Council, and I told a little bit of the story in that in that magazine. So it was pretty cool, and it's actually on my Instagram page. If you scroll down, you could read the story. So um, it's something I'm really proud of. I mean, the way I grew up is 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 something that it it made me who I am today. You know, I'm not entitled. I am very humble. Um, with everything, and I'm very mindful. Um, I don't, I don't take any dollar for granted. <laughs> you know, because I know how hard it is to earn it. So. Wow. Okay. So my next question. So you you worked uh, part time as a uh, cocktail waitress. What was the what was the motivating factor for you to say, you know what, I want to take the big, I want to make the big dive into full time real estate sales. How did that happen? Well, I'm going to be completely honest with you. If I wasn't, so I was a cocktail waitress and I was a full-time cocktail waitress actually. And, and we were making very, very good money. And I was actually working, had great shifts where I was making four and a bucks a night, which is really good being a 23 year old at this time, um, 23 year old kid. And, um, it wasn't until, you know, we're, we're union when things change with the union and they, they bounce all, we could call extra board, bounce me to the bottom of the extra board in which I had to take a shift and it was a graveyard shift. And I remember my first day on graveyard, I made $8 and I was miserable. Oh, oh no. $8. From $400 to $8? Oh yes, uh-huh, to $8. So I, I remember saying to myself, I am not gonna be doing this. And so what I did was I used up all my call-ins and I basically was forced out of cocktailing. And you know, a lot of us, and I, I think a lot of people could relate to us, you get comfortable where you're at. And you, you don't want to take the leap of faith to do something better. You know, even though you know it's better, but it's scary, right? And for me, it's really scary because I had, at this point, I had two mortgages to pay for. And I was like, I, I, I need a steady job and I can't leave this job. This is, I'm making great money and I have great benefits. And I was, I had to be forced out of it. Because at this point now, $8 a night wasn't going to be worth it for me anymore and losing my sanity. So I used up all my call-ins and I quit and started real estate full-time. And let me tell you, there was a lot of a lot of tears, a lot of struggles my first few years um, being a full-time agent in that market. But I did it. <laughs> and so is, can you, whoever's listening. <laughs> that, that is that is. <laughs> So, so just to make sure that I understand what you just said, you were making $400 per night. Yep. And through some whatever, you know, reconfiguration of the unions and how they yep. uh, paid, you know, employees, you went from $400 to eight. That's eight with a little, yep. you know, double zero, yep. a, a little double, nope. a zero on the top and a zero on nope. the bottom and you put them together and that forms an eight. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Eight. Yes, sir. Eight dollars. No oh joke. Eight dollars. <laughs> oh, oh. So that, I was is... forced out of it. Yeah, it was. It was terrible. It was terrible. So, um, I mean, I've gone through when when I became a full time real estate agent. It was. I mean, when I say struggle, I mean struggle. I mean, I I remember going into cash and change, you know, because I legit didn't have any money. I was like, you know, twenty five year old kid, and I just. You know, I was, I was, I was struggling. I went through all my savings, and it was like, 
we weren't right now the average sales price is 300,000 right so mm -hmm. you can consider how much as realtors make per transaction right even paying our brokerage fees and things like that but when you're selling homes that were $50,000 you're practically selling a car right and you're looking at 3% of that and then paying your brokerage fee you're kind of it, it's like it was an insane time in real estate and it was either you're making it or you're not and I was not making it for years <laughs> yeah but it's just it's, it's the story of you keep pushing and you keep going and you never give up and there have been many times where I was like I need to go find a job and I thought about it during this time I was like I'll go get one of those cool jobs to make six figure instantly just for the summer and I'm so grateful I never did I just mm -hmm. went to the office every day every single day until I finally built that pipeline to where I was making it and now I am producing you know and it's it's amazing. It's, it's, it's a career that if anybody wants to get into it, I would give them my blessing because it's, you, you could legit really make as much money as you want and you have the freedom to do anything you want. You just got to do it right. Well, I'll tell you what, normally mm -hmm. people that I have on the show, they give enough information that lasts about 20 to 30 minutes and we just kind of say, okay, thanks for coming on the show. But the, the first <laughs> few minutes of this podcast if I just cut it off right now, people would be yeah. in a daze <laughs> just with the information that you provided. But let's continue. Okay, so what have been some of your accomplishments as a realtor in terms of uh, recognition, uh, some awards there in uh, Metro Las Vegas? My biggest one was when I was elected as the Women's Council of Realtors President in 2017. That was amazing. Um, I also served on the board of directors for ARIA, which is the Asian Real Estate Association of America. Um, I've won top 40 under 40. I've won top 25 women real estate by the Women's Council of Realtors. I was announced as the REMAX agent, which is basically just an or a top producing agent, making 250 to 499 a year. Um, I was also named top 100 women in real estate by My Vegas Magazine and top wow. 100 women woman influenced by my Vegas magazine as well. So I've, I've gotten a lot of recognition it's, and it's, it's amazing. And I am, I'm always honored to receive them. That's a, That's exciting. Congratulations to you. Cause I know when we first made contact and we've uh, probably been talking for the last couple of weeks, but the more I kind of, you know, read some of your information that you had on your website, I was saying to myself, mm -hmm. my goodness, this is a, an awesome woman. Man, my goodness. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm sorry I'm taking up so much time. I know oh, it's no, only 20 no, minutes, is, and I'm uh, like... <laughs> oh, no, this is why I wanted to do the podcast in this format, because uh, you know, I have I, we can talk as long as we want. Uh, my next question is, uh, please tell our 321 BizDev podcast <laughs> listeners about your best experiences selling uh, in the red-hot Las Vegas real estate market. Hi. Uh, I would say my best experience is honestly seeing how my clients are winning in this market. Every time, I, I have clients that have been with me since I started real estate, when I was a brand new agent until now, and they always come back to me to buy and sell real estate. And I guess my best part is seeing how my clients are able to capitalize in this market. I'll give an example. I had a client that I sold a home to in 2016, and him and his wife, were they were struggling immensely. You know, and it just put pennies together to basically put, come up the down payment to buy a home. And I assured them this is going to be their best investment. You know, it's, it's owning this home that are paying someone else's rent and whatnot. 
Well, last year they came to me to sell their house, and they had, they were, they set to net out sixty thousand dollars in equity within two years, which、mm-hmm. basically took them out of their financial issues. You know, it saved them, saved, and they were able to have enough money to buy another home, and also pay off some debts and have money in the bank. And they were just extremely happy. You can't do that within two years and have that much money. That's thirty grand a year they were making off their home,、right. and there and there was no taxes with it because they lived in their home for two years. You know, and at this point they needed to basically move somewhere closer to their husband's job, and and were able to find another house. And、um, I mean, that's that's the best part of selling in this market. As long as you do it right, you can make money in this market, and that's what I love to see with my clients. Excellent, excellent. So let's talk about the other side. As you know, and I know as a former realtor, soon getting back into the business, some deals do not always go through smoothly. Tell us a story where you had to go well uh, beyond, uh, above and beyond、um, real estate. You know, your real estate customer service to make a, a transaction、uh, go well for a client. Rick, I don't know where to start with this one.、Um, <laughs> this is 12 years in the game. This is there is a lot. I mean, do I start with the short with the short sale market? Do you remember that time, or do I start、oh, with yes. recent? Yes. <laughs> And I know what so, it was like、um, in Las Vegas too. When you mentioned that those thirty, forty thousand dollar properties, those twenty five thousand dollar condos, yeah, I, I remember、uh-huh. all of that. Uh huh. And and during the short sale times, where it was just extremely tough to close a deal, you're looking at Three four months before you can sell that one property, you know,、um, and it's fifty thousand. <laughs> so it's、um, wow. Well, you know, I guess I can. I'm going to go with something that that's happened recently.、Um, and this this could have been something、um, as a realtor. It's you do more than just real estate. If you're a good realtor, you're more than just helping facilitate the transaction. You basically become a therapist to your clients. You know, because it's it's a very emotional journey unless they're investors, right?、Mm-hmm. So. I had this transaction, and um, um, this, the client just didn't understand the process.、Um, and they're first-time first-time buyers. Now, my part is the real estate part, but then there's a lending part of it as well. And as you know, now lending rules are way more strict than they were in 2006, which is yes, why we had the whole recession, right? So it's extremely, extremely strict. And petty and just annoying, right? Um, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I would try to basically, you know,、um, tell them ahead of time what they are going to be experiencing on my end and on their end, as far as the lending part of it and what not to do, and to listen to your lenders. Well, the client did not listen very well, and um, um, they had some debts they had to pay off, and the lender had advised them to not pay those debts off, right? To pay these、mm. debts off at closing. Is that me? Sorry, was that me doing that? No, that was me. That was that was my that was、oh. my、uh, emotion of, you know, of people receiving advice that's not、uh, not the、oh. best advice. But yeah, that was my、uh, exclamation of <laughs> that was my expression、oh. of oh my goodness. I see. Yeah. So so basically, they you know they were told not to pay these off and to wait to pay at closing, and they basically wire the funds of their down payment along with the debt. You know, at closing to avoid, you know, putting transactions through their account because the underwriter will question where certain monies come from. You can't be transferring money from accounts to accounts. You'll provide a bank statement. So it's husband and wife, but if the husband is buying the home, the wife can't be on it. Her credit isn't good enough. They decided they would 
go and pay these debts off anyways. So the wife transferred the money for the debt, the husband pays it. And so when it comes to closing, they're like, well, what's going on? There's a, there's all these transactions on the bank statement. Now the underwriter is questioning it. They need what is called a gift letter from the wife at this point, And they need to source where all these deposits are coming from. And I'm not kidding. It was two pages of items that they had to source. And there was multiple gift letters. And these are actually pretty simple. Very simple to do, right? They know where it came from. They know where the money is deposited and whatnot. But my clients were fighting the lender on this. And I just, and I couldn't, I couldn't explain to them. They, they, I mean, they were upset with the lender. Like, I am, you know, I work at the valet and I make tips. This is why I do this. I said, I understand. I said, but you were advised not to deposit these tips. You know, and they just didn't understand it. I was like, it's not the lender, it's the underwriter. So, long story short we we almost lost the whole deal we had to extend it for a week we almost lost it until the very last day of closing it was a complete nightmare but it was one of those deals where i'm like okay i don't know how else to explain this and what you need to do but this is what you have to do to get this house you want the house but you don't want to listen to the lender i said i can't there's not much more i can do if you're not going to listen and provide them their stuff so that was probably one of my hardest um and simplest deals to deal with because it was actually pretty simple all you had to do was cooperate <laughs> that's all you had to do <laughs> but they were fighting it for no reason and eventually they they began cooperating but it was literally pulling teeth until the day that we recorded the day that we recorded wow it was like so, their way their way or no way yeah but they just didn't yeah. understand that's just what it is and i'll be honest with you when my husband and i were buying our home he didn't understand it either. And he was he was becoming one of those those buyers that I'm like, Are you for real right now? Like just don't even don't even say anything. Just let me handle this because you're gonna sound like an idiot, pretty much. You know, and because uh, my husband went through the same thing. He doesn't understand, well, why do they need this from me? Why do they need that? He doesn't get it. You know, but if if you don't wanna provide it, you don't buy. They won't lend you the money. They could care less if they lend you the money. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, that's a great story, and that's uh, yeah, that's a that's a story that that uh, that you, people should. I mean, you should get credit for your diligence and for your ability to hang with with those uh, with those buyers because oh, man, yeah. to get to the to get to the finish line and to have you know something happen like that where people are are holding their ground, so to speak. I'm not doing mm-hmm. that because I don't want uh-huh. to. We're almost at the fin- uh-huh. we're at the two yard line. We're at the two-yard well, line. Well, exactly. We were literally there, Rick. But here, and here's, it gets it gets better because we were actually at cancellation, and I was drafting up cancellation, and the husband oh, says, no. "No, we're gonna we're gonna move forward. No, we're gonna move forward. If we don't close this by Friday, then we're not gonna do this." And I said, "Okay, then I have to write an extension." So I was going back and forth. I didn't know what to do, but at the end of the day, here's my advice to other agents out there: if you care about your clients. And if they want something, just understand that they don't know any better. They don't understand it. So it's your job. It's do everything you can to kind of hold their hands through it and make them as most comfortable and help them through it. Don't just give up on them. You know, that, and those um, are good words. I mean, that's that's a great way yeah. to summarize that that situation. Just to, you know, you know, buyers agents work with your clients and 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 explain to them, you know, why things has why things have to be this way. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Okay, my next question. Let's see. So, 
You are, I know you, I can tell you are very uh, super excited about working as a Las Vegas realtor. Please tell our listening audience, especially people here in Northern California, Sacramento, San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose, and people in Southern California and our dear friends in Canada, where we have listeners in Canada. Please tell everyone that's listening to this podcast about the exciting buyer opportunities in Las Vegas. Oh my goodness. There's a lot. Besides, it's, it's so affordable to live in Las Vegas, right? Not only do you have the opportunity to make a lot of money here in Las Vegas as you're living here, but affordability with home prices, even though we are continuing appreciation at such a high level, um, it's still very affordable. And we just have so much growth in Las Vegas that's coming. As you know, we have the Golden Knights last year who went to the Stanley Cup. And then we also have the Las Vegas Raiders who are set to be here in 2020. Wait a minute, so there's did, so did much you say the Las there. Vegas Raiders or the Oakland Raiders? The Oakland, Oakland Raiders. Well, the Las Vegas Raiders. Right, that's right. The Las Vegas Raiders me? are coming. I'm like, are you confusing me right now? I'm like, <laughs> yes. The Oakland Raiders are coming to Las Vegas. But they're going to be locked in. And they're crying. And they're crying so bad in Oakland. Let me tell you, they're crying so bad. But Las Vegas won. We did. And I heard there was a lawsuit with some California and Oakland Raiders now because they're coming here. Is that true? (sighs) Yeah, I heard heard something about that. But it's they're still coming. I mean, it's it's Las Vegas is handing the Raider organization the best deal that they've ever seen. I mean, so you know, and, and yeah. it's it's, it's going to be amazing. It's contributed so much growth in Las Vegas, and not only that, tax. I mean, you're, we don't have state taxes here, so there's money savings everywhere, and rent is extremely high. So if you're an investor, it's a no-brainer to come out to Vegas, pick up a few rental properties, and rent them out. You know, um, just have somebody else paying that mortgage until you see more appreciation and you flip it. I actually worked with um, one of your elected officials in California, the Republican official in mm-hmm. California and he's one of my best clients out here and he owns almost 70 properties here in Las Vegas and we just picked up two more um, this year so he's he's incredible and he he knows the opportunities here in Las Vegas so he sold everything in California picked it up and brought it here to Vegas <laughs> yeah I would imagine year. I mean if he's a smart guy uh, he understands the the, the benefit of of, uh, of of taxation which is Kind of not, not like it's kind of not the best thing here in California. And if you can see how mm-hmm. to save fourteen percent, which is the highest tax, oh, the state tax in California, and not pay that, kudos Ooh, to him. My Congratulations. goodness. My goodness. Congratulations. I, I don't. I I know a lot of people love California, but I I don't know how a lot of people can afford to stay in California. You know, it's it's. I can't even imagine. Like I feel like Vegas is the best city in the country. Maybe because I've lived here for so long, but we are the number one fastest growing city in the country, and we still are. And we, you can, it's, the opportunities here is just enormous. You know, not in just real estate, but jobs. You know, and with the Raiders coming, there's more job opportunities there, and it's it's just incredible. No brainer to come to Vegas. Linda, the next the next sound you will hear will be me uh, ringing your doorbell. I'm ready to move to Las Vegas. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'll tell so my neighbor to sell, and then you could buy the house next door to me. Exactly. Neighbors. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts? Speaking of the Raiders, the Las Vegas um, real estate market. What? Do, how do you see the the real estate market over the next six to twelve months for people that are 
perhaps thinking about buying now and you know how people look out look out six months 12 months two years five years what do you think the next six to 12 months might be like you know I still see us having um, a good amount of appreciation this year I mean on average we're expecting about an seven to nine percent appreciation for this year which is slower than it has been the last few years but it's still going to be something really good um, it's more we've been growing at a really fast pace which is which is something that causes concern for a lot of people because of what's happened in 2006 right but mm -hmm. what people don't understand is we crashed so hard back in 2008 that we still had a long way to come up and we still are not even there yet. The median sales price is 300000 which is still lower than it was in 2006. So what I don't have a crystal ball. I wish I did. Um, I still see, but in my opinion, the way that I'm seeing things, I still see growth. I still see appreciation. It's still a great time to buy. So if you want to buy something, you should secure it now. You know, because once once the Raiders get here, um, I think home prices around the stadium is going to go up. Rent prices is going to go up. Businesses will have to move. Because these businesses, these these spaces that are by the stadium, it's the rent it's, the rent value is going to be increasing tremendously. Um, but then I found a report. So get this: I found a report on Trulia, and take it with a grain of salt because it's in Trulia. But it is, it's 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 a fact that they did a study on the last ten years of neighborhoods that's been built around stadiums. And here's some of the facts I'm going to read it to you. Of 31 neighborhoods around the nation's pro football stadium, nearly two thirds have higher housing values on average than houses in non-stadium neighborhoods. During the last 10 years, five new pro football stadiums have opened and none so far has had noticeable impact in raising home values in its immediate vicinity. And that's a two mile radius. Near, wow. near Dallas, prices, prices around AT&T Stadium have lost value compared to the greater Arlington, Texas area since that venue opened in 2009. So these facts are a little different than what we're seeing, but these are just facts that they've mm -hmm, done this mm -hmm. research in the last 10 years. And I've heard this before too, that once the stadium is up, it doesn't really do much for house values like increasing tremendously, right? But then you also mm -hmm. see reports from like Vegas Inc. saying that, you know, home prices are gonna continue to go up, which I still think they are. But I don't think for the sellers out there, if you're in Las Vegas, you're listening, because I've had sellers that tells me they wanna wait for the stadium to be built where they sell their house because they wanna see the increased value. I don't think there's going to be like this huge bomb that's going to drop where your house is going to be worse in insane price at all. I don't mm -hmm. see that happening. But I still see increase in value and I see a healthy real estate market in Las Vegas. So. What uh, specific location or area of Las Vegas will, is a stadium located? The, the, Las, the, the stadium um, where they're going to play? The stadium is going to be by the 215 in Russell, which is the Spring Valley area in the okay. southwest. Mm -hmm. Okay, I know exactly where that but is. Their, but their practice stadium is actually in Henderson. Nice, nice. So nice. you'll see, exactly you'll see, you'll see some luxury real estate in Henderson that's going to be picked up. You know, obviously the athletes are probably going to be buying homes by where they're going to be practicing. You know, but my investors are buying in the Southwest and Spring Valley area where the stadium's going to be built. That's where they're buying right now. Wow. Yeah, I was out there for, uh, for New Year's Eve, and uh, I was I was living, I was out there for a week in the very south part of Vegas, right off of the the 15 freeway. I can't remember the hotel name, but yeah, there was construction going on west of I-15. I, I could see it in the, in the distance. They were building more and more mm -hmm. homes in that. Yeah, most, they are. 
furthest southwest corner of Las Vegas? So building homes anywhere they can find. That means our demand at this moment isn't where it was last year. But things always, you know, the market is up and down. It's and and the the demand isn't quite there right this moment. But I still think that supply and with supply and demand, we're still we're still really under with supply. And demand's going to be there, and there's no houses for anybody because we're still the fastest growing city in the country. So. Yep, the entertainment capital of the world. So I got one more, well, actually yes, two sir. more questions for you. Okay. We've been talking good. about real estate. We've been talking about Las Vegas and and the Las Vegas Rail uh, Raiders. On a side note, please let our listening audience know about some of your hobbies, including your strong attachment to physical fitness and the nonprofit that you support. Well, I'll start with my nonprofit. So in 2014, I founded the Combat Bird Cure Foundation. My best friend's niece was diagnosed with neuroplastoma back in 2013, and she was my inspiration for starting this foundation. And the foundation specifically funds childhood cancer research. So we're not the foundation that funds helping families with medical bills and things like that. Um, we basically fund directly to research. And our partner uh, was St. Baldrick, um, who is the largest um, nonprofit organization that funds the childhood cancer research. Um, we have been dark for two years because of my obligation with Women's Council, and then the last couple of years I've taken the time away to run me and my husband's fitness company that we also have. Um, um, but we will be coming back this year. And what we also do is yearly we have an annual black tie event where we honor courageous kids in Las Vegas, and that's how I more incorporate my foundation to be more you know, Las Vegas friendly because we actually do things in Las Vegas. Because, I mean, we, we do our, our charities, our events in Las Vegas, but the money doesn't stay here. It goes to research. So, mm -hmm. but when I honor these kids here in our communities, what I do is I do a story on them and then they get like a Courageous Kid trophy and they just love it. They feel so special. It makes them really happy. So we do that annually and I usually honor five kids every year. So, and we're planning on bringing that back this year in 2019. Um, and then fitness, you know, it's, it's, it's always been um, a driving force in my life. Um, I used to be a bikini competitor for the National Physique Committee um, back in my young years. <laughs> I haven't competed in five years, but um, um, it was something, a sport that I really loved. Um, but it was also something that was really unhealthy for me because what I would do is go on these strict, strict diets. Um, and then afterwards, I would just binge. But finally, now I finally found um, a healthy, healthy way to love fitness and make it a lifestyle where I just love to train, just to train, and I love to be healthy. Um, when I when I am not fit, I am unhappy with myself. So mm -hmm. I always tell my friends, you know, the way you look on the outside shows how you feel about yourself on the inside. Mm -hmm. So that's true, and I'm. It, it really is. I truly believe it because I went through it. I mean, after I got married, I I lost myself a little bit, including like I, I you know, like, I gained a little weight. I got a little happy marriage weight on, <laughs> and um, and I was I was really sad. And um, and people would ask me like if I had body dysmorphia, and I for a long time I thought maybe I do, maybe I I don't look as bad as people as I as I think, and people still think I look pretty fit and. You know, but, you know, now I realize I don't have a body dysmorphia. I just have a standard. And my standard is to just 
feel my best, be the best, and and be the best at everything I do, including how I present myself to the physical world. So nice. That's a nice way to put mm-hmm. that, by the way. That's a very nice way. Thank you. Well, uh, Linda, Thank you, you have been a gracious guest on the Three Two One Biz Development Podcast. Do you have any final comments? And can you tell our listening audience? Uh, the best way to, to reach you if they have a real estate uh, buyer or seller question or a real estate investor question since you are helping all the California you know, big wigs out here buy homes in Las Vegas. <laughs> how, do they, how, do, how would a person contact you? Well, first, Rick, I want to say it's such an honor to be asked to do this interview. And I, I've had so much fun. I'm sorry I took up so much of your time. Um, I love talking about this. I, I mean, I sleep, eat, and breathe real estate every day, and this is truly the highlight of my weekend. And it's been a blessing to have, you know, connect with you through Instagram. So if you are looking to connect with me, uh, whether you're a brand new realtor or a seasoned veteran or if you're a buyer or seller, just feel free to reach me. Um, I love to help. Um, you can find me on my Instagram at lindanaw underscore com, or you can call me on my cell or text me at 702-306-3587. All right. Awesome. Well, Linda, uh, thanks for being a guest on the show and we will stay in touch and you're welcome back anytime. I know you probably have a lot more uh, interesting stories in real estate and, and about uh, you know life and personal growth than what you talked about today. So thanks for coming on the radio show. Thank you so much, Rick. You have a wonderful weekend. All right. You too. Bye-bye.